Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. And a hearty welcome to all of you, and especially to you as guests who came specifically for, on behalf of uh, Kim and Warren, and uh, the service here. We are, we feel uh, honored that you have invested of your time to be here and bless them with your presence. <clears throat> Enjoyed the, uh, the sharing time and, and all the things that were shared here this morning already. And uh, thankful for that. Thank you to each one who shared, who participated. There was something that, uh, that I noted that I thought I would remind us of before I forget. I heard it a number of times. The thought was expressed that I was seeking the Lord this morning. I was, I asked the Lord and He gave me this verse or that verse or this poem or I'd like to uh, just encourage us to continue with that kind of a posture of heart. You know, next Sunday, there will be a group of people gathered here, and the Lord just might want to give you an inspiration to share with that group of people. It's not going to be exactly the same group that is here today, but uh, it might just that the Lord would give you another verse that he would like you to share. He would give you another poem. I think the Lord has plenty to give us if we will just uh, take the time to seek him and ask him for it. So I, uh, I noted that and I, I uh, thought to encourage us in that. Keep that in mind. <clears throat> well... What should I title a message today when I think about my oldest daughter and her husband? I think about the where they stand in their journey of life or the, uh, uh, the crossroad or not the crossroad. What is the word? The, uh, the next phase. What? What would I title, what should I title a message that I would share here this morning? As I pondered that, I thought of a very fitting title, I believe. It's simply this, the next chapter, the next chapter. Life is, uh, someone has said, uh, changing my thought there a little. Someone has said, uh, I believe it's been said to you, Kim, you ought to write a book someday. And uh, who knows where God will take you in that journey, but uh, the next chapter. I'd like to begin this morning in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. And we're going to read the uh, a bit of the account here of uh, the children of Israel as they are standing on the threshold of the next chapter where they find themselves. They are uh, approaching the promised land that God has promised them. The day is coming when it's time to getting close to time to uh, go in and possess the land. And... Uh, in, of course, we, if we're familiar with the scriptures, we know that uh, they send out spies to spy out the land. I don't know exactly, totally, all the purposes God had in that, but that's, uh, that's, uh, that was part of the plan. And uh, beginning in chapter 13, verse 25, we find those spies returning, and we'll just... Uh, Break in there in verse 25. 
and read through chapter 14, verse 10. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so, so we were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to, to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give, give it, and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, for neither fear ye the people of the land. They are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade them, stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. <clears throat> Can we just uh, bow our heads for a moment? Our Father, we... Do pause in your presence this morning. We have before us your word. We have before us a uh, an example of your people where they stood on the threshold of the next chapter and the obstacles, the difficulties seem too large. They stood on the threshold of impossible, of an impossible situation based on human uh, strength and effort. But they stood on the threshold of a totally possible situation based on the promise and the power of God. Father, today as we, as we have this service, as we all together engage our hearts, concerning the promises of God, concerning the call to be lights, to be a testimony, the call to go, the call to fulfill the Great Commission, the call to be your representatives upon earth in all the various places that you've called each one of us to, whether it's here in this community or in our own community where we live whether it's in a foreign land, wherever it is, Father, your promises are true. 
they're to us. They're, they're, uh, you are faithful, and we have seen that faithfulness. Father, we pray that today our hearts could again be stirred in faith, that we would, we would not shrink back. We would not uh, be overcome by the the mountains and the and the giants and the difficulties in the path, but that we would, in our hearts, engage in faith toward you. So be with us here, Father, as we contemplate a few thoughts, as we turn our hearts toward you, as we ask you to speak to us, as we ask you to give us heavenly perspectives here this morning again. We ask, Father, open the word to us. May the Spirit of God open the word to us. Open our hearts to the word. Your Spirit. Lord, may we be, may we, uh, be led along in the kingdom journey here this morning. God, we pray, bless us. Pour out your Spirit upon us in this assembly. We ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> the next chapter. You know, in, a, in some ways I will speak uh, a bit directed at times toward Warren and Kim, but there's something for us all in these scriptures and in the various scriptures we'll look at. You know, the children of Israel, as they stood on the threshold of that next chapter, it was... It was completely in the will of God. It was completely the heart and passion of God to give them that promised land. To see them enter into that land. Uh, God was not doing it begrudgingly. God was not uh, um, in a posture of, of any kind of, well, I guess I should do it for them. He was in a posture of... of uh, you know, come, it's for you. Come and possess it. I, it's my plan. This is where you, if you're going to be in the center of my will, this is where you're going to be. But uh, the, 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 uh, the children of Israel uh, faltered in faith. Of course, they, they did that a number of times. Um, and I realize that, you know, that the challenge to us is, is to, to learn from their experience. Uh, but there's a, the, there's a verse comes to my mind, you know, uh, as uh, as you all, Warren and Kim, as you s- uh, stand on the threshold of this next chapter, as you uh, uh, follow the call that God has placed on your hearts, I want to uh, draw your attention for a moment to the verse in Luke 12:32, where Jesus said, "This fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom." And when we think about, uh, as you think about yourself standing on the threshold of this next chapter, do not be afraid. It is your Father's good pleasure to lead you into this next uh, phase of your life. Do not be afraid. Your Father is with you. And he, it is His good pleasure. He is, he is uh, thrilled to lead you on. He is not uh, in any way... Uh, being begrudging about his call in your lives. He is, uh, he is, it's his good pleasure to see you, uh, your hearts rise in faith. Uh, there are giants before you. Without, without hesitation, we know that. There are giants in the land. There are paperwork giants. There are, uh, the adoption giant. There are cultural giants. There are language giants. There are lots of what ifs. But do not be afraid. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He has called you. He has placed His call upon your lives. He will also fulfill it. You know, there are others who could try to fill the spots that you will fill. But they would never fill it quite like you will. God has prepared you for the ministry that is ahead of you. Even though at this point you may not know what it all entails. Uh, but God has prepared you for it, and He will go with you. And while we realize that uh, there are there are uh, 
you know, language learning, it, it, is, it, is, a, it is a giant. Uh, paperwork, uh, legal uh, representation in the country, all those things, they are giants. However, and they need to be faced realistically. You know, we, we can't just put our head in the clouds and, and, and think it's, uh, you know, no big deal. But it needs to be faced realistically, and I think you are. But at the same token, to never let those difficulties, those obstacles, those uh, challenges cause your hearts, like the uh, children of Israel, to shrink back and say, well, it's not worth it. It's not going to work. It probably isn't worth the effort. Uh, that's, uh, that's, not God, that's not God's heart, not God's will, that you do that, but that, our, that your hearts and our hearts together would rise in faith. <clears throat> Continue to learn as much as you can about others who have done similar things to what you're doing. Even though you, uh, we know that God is with you, continue to study what others have done in the field you're pursuing uh, in uh, those various aspects. And I know you've done that already. Continue to uh, learn what you can and glean from others. You don't have to learn all the lessons yourself. You don't have to learn them all the hard way. You don't have to figure them all out. Others have gone there. Others have been there uh, in other countries and places. And you can learn a lot from them. So I want to encourage you as you stand on the threshold of this chapter. Go in faith. Believe God. And see where he leads you. You know, as we think of the, uh, the word, the, uh, the, the great commission there in Matthew came up a few times here this morning. I heard it a time or two. Quote it. Referred to, you know, as we think of and and obviously um, today there's uh, uh, it's it's not a secret that orphans have been on Kim's heart for many years and Warren is is uh, taken up with that burden as well in more recent years probably. <clears throat> the uh, James tells us. Or what I was going to say there, my focus is going to be geared a bit that way, even though there are uh, various other uh, aspects of ministry that you will participate in. Uh, there will be some focus regarding the orphans in, my, uh, in the things that I share today. And James tells us that pure religion, just quoting it a bit, uh, not word for word, but pure religion is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And, and he lifts up the fatherless there uh, to give attention to them, to give, uh, give heart to them. You know, we could ask the question this morning, is the cry of the orphan a significance in a kingdom perspective? In other words, if we're a kingdom people and we have a kingdom perspective, is the cry of the orphan... Uh, if we were to uh, draw a pie and chart it out in different slices, would we, as kingdom believers, would we label one of those slices the orphan and the need of the orphan? Or would we somehow, uh, in our mind, uh, not really think that that fits into the, into the Great Commission? You know, it's go and preach the gospel, teaching them and so forth. And, uh, or would we leave a slot for that uh, that uh, the need of the orphan and the and the fatherless. <clears throat> Perhaps if we wouldn't have left a slot before, maybe we will after we've looked at a few things this morning. Is the cry of the orphan a significance in a kingdom perspective? Would the God of heaven, through his Holy Spirit, lay a burden on someone's heart to pour their life out to the dirty, malnourished, unloved, motherless, dying African babies. Would the God of heaven, through his Holy Spirit, put the burden on someone's heart to pour their life out in that kind of a cause? I don't know how you would answer that, but we would try to answer that as we go. Would God do that? In this question, are the orphans important to God? Is a ministry that begins with little ones like that important to God? We'll consider that a bit.
as we already talked about uh, the Great Commission, uh, go ye therefore into all the world, teaching them, etc., etc., and then Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Is the ministry to orphans, would the ministry to a ministry to orphans fall under that umbrella? When Jesus says, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Can you claim that? Can Warren and Kim claim that to their hearts? Let's turn to Mark chapter 10. We read verses 13 to 16. Mark 10:13 and they they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Now, in this scripture, we see uh, it's kind of an interesting, uh, uh, we get a little glimpse into, into uh, real life with the disciples as they're journeying with Christ and we're, we're working closely with, with Lord Jesus. We actually have a, a disagreement here between Jesus and his disciples. The, uh, the people, parents, apparently were bringing their little ones and wanted Jesus to take a little time to bless them. And the disciples, the disciples didn't have, in their pie of priorities, they didn't have a slot for the little ones. This was wasted time. This was wasted energy. They didn't have, uh, it was not what they were, were uh, considering to be of, of, uh, of importance at the moment. And then we discover Jesus' response here. He was displeased. An interesting response. There was different values uh, taking place here. There, there was a value being put on different uh, things. And in this case, Jesus put value on the children. And I'm not, uh, by no means, this morning as I talk about the need of the orphan, I'm not at all advocating uh, child evangelism. Not at all. Um, that we uh, go out and try to evangelize youngsters that are too young to really understand the call to the gospel. Not talking about that. Talking about a, uh, the need of the helpless dying orphan. You know, as we look at this account with Jesus here, you know, these children most likely came from a good home. These children that were brought to Jesus. Most likely they came from a good home. These were Jewish uh, families. I doubt that Jewish families were majorly uh, dysfunctional uh, in a major way, as uh, we know much of our world today. They probably had a pretty, if they were at all, uh, uh, yeah, reared in the Jewish faith and, and synagogue attending people and all those kind of things. Those children were no doubt had a pretty decent home life. Their parents no doubt loved them. Their parents no doubt took them in their arms and held them at the evening at the end of the day. Read, uh, told them stories perhaps at bedtime. I'm going to guess those children were well cared for. And in the middle of that, Jesus gave, took issue with the disciples because they, they uh, thought that it was a waste of time that Jesus is spending uh, on these children. If that be the case... Is it, is it, is it okay to say that? What about the fatherless? What about the hungry? What about the dying? What about the one who has no one who cares for it? 
the one who has been stuck in some basket or bucket or somewhere so they can't hear the crying and left to die. What about those? If Jesus had such an issue with the healthy ones, the well cared for ones, what about those who are neglected and dying and uh, outcast? No one to love them. Are the orphans important to God? Again, James says these words, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, we won't take much time on this, but right there you have again the New Testament theme of Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right there in that phrase. To visit the fatherless and the widow. Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6 says this, Of God, a father of the fatherless, a judge of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary in families. He brings out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious dwell on a dry land. Let's also take a quick look at a verse in, uh, in the Old Testament there in Deuteronomy, in the, in the law. In Deuteronomy 14, verse 28 and 29, At the end of three years thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year, and shall lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, which are within thy gates, shall come, and shall eat, and be satisfied, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work in which thou all the work of thine hands which thou doest. And notice there that that God specifically and we could look at other verses in the Old Testament, but God specifically gave them instruction on how to care for the fatherless among them and, uh, and kind of hinges a blessing on the end that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. And I, would, uh, and I know that we are familiar with the scriptures that when God's people failed to fulfill their calling, failed to look after those who uh, uh, were needy, that God started pulling back the blessings. That's uh, often the way God did it in uh, their culture, and their uh, experience. So, yes, uh, I think uh, we can safely say that the orphan is important to God. They have a place in the heart of God, and they should have a place in the heart of God's people. <clears throat> And thus the question, what is our posture? What is the posture of our heart toward the orphan? Or, let me say it this way, let me word the question this way. Is our posture of heart toward the orphan important to God? Does God care about the posture of our heart toward the orphan? And we could put other words in there. We could put the widow, the fatherless. The, uh, but let's consider that this morning uh, regarding the posture of our heart. Turn to Isaiah 58. We've been hearing a good bit from Isaiah today. A precious book. Isaiah 58 gives us a revelation of how God sees our hearts. It's a revelation from heaven's perspective. <clears throat> Maybe we could stand together as I read this scripture, if you are able. I'm going to begin... In verse, uh, I believe I'll begin in verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted, say they? 
thou seest not. Wherefore have we afflicted our souls, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Would thou call this a fast, and an acceptable day of the Lord? Acceptable day to the Lord. Verse 6, Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? And when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, then, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, the speaking of vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the, Lord, thy, and the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul out, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places, and thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. You may be seated. May God bless this scripture to our hearts this morning. Is our posture of heart toward the orphan important to God? And I use that word orphan. It can really mean a wide array of, of, of things as we see in this scripture. Uh, you know, in reality, <clears throat> Isaiah 58 gives us the definition of a spirit-led life. Uh, the definition of a spirit-led life. The context is fasting, and of course, uh, fasting, uh, and it's the, the, the idea is given here, fasting is associated with seeking God. Uh, wherefore have we fasted and you haven't seen? You know, they were fasting to get God's attention. They were fasting uh, to draw near to God. They were, uh, they were fasting... Uh, uh, and that's the nature of fasting, to seek God. And, and verse 2 there, we didn't uh, read it. It says, yet they seek me daily. Uh, so it, it, the context is seeking God. But God had a problem with, with, their, uh, with their lives. And as they were seeking God, you know, we have the scripture in, uh, in, the, in, in it's in James. Yeah, it's in James. Uh, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. But here in Isaiah 58, we have a problem. They thought they were drawing nigh to God. They were trying to draw nigh to God. But there was a problem. God was not drawing nigh to them. Because God was not, uh, he was not satisfied with what he was seeing in their lives and experience. The fast and the, and the focus was personal benefit. Personal gain. Personal prosperity. Me, 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 me was the focus. Fasting, seeking God, bless me God. Make me great, God. Make me a great preacher, God. Make me a great missionary, God. Help me win a lot of souls, God. You know, me, 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 me. But God wasn't happy with that. God said, uh, and God gave him, a, a, gave him a, a focus here that was uh, a critical focus, an important focus. What is God's heart? Or, or what is our posture of heart toward the orphan or toward the needy of this world? <clears throat> So the focus of Isaiah 58 is the posture of our heart as we seek God. And of course, how does that then work itself out in real life? There is an acceptable way to seek God. You know, the answer isn't to quit seeking God. 
There is an acceptable way to seek God. There is, of course, an unacceptable way as well. You know, as we read uh, verses like verse 7 here, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, that thou, and when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? You know, I don't know where your mind goes, but it's very easy for my mind to think about a New Testament uh Example that Jesus uh, told us about when he talked about the Samaritan or the one we know as the good Samaritan, the fella, the, the Samaritan who came along and found uh, the guy who was beat and uh, left half dead by robbers. And he came, ministered to his needs, took him to a, a, a place of lodging, paid, uh, paid to take care of him and, and so forth. That's what I think about when I see this scripture here in Isaiah. Uh, it's kind of, maybe you'd say they're parallel scriptures, giving very much the same, uh, same concept, same idea. And it says there, and I, I don't know if uh, it finishes up verse 7 there, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. And I thought about this, you know, we could ask the question, you know, a little like that rich young ruler did after Jesus gave the account of the Samaritan. Or I forget it was a rich young ruler, but whoever he was. Uh, uh, Jesus said, which of you do you think was neighbor? And he said, him that, you know, uh, did, uh, did him the service. Uh, and then he, willing to justify himself, said, and who is my neighbor? Okay. The point had been driven home. You know, he, he understood Jesus' teaching. He says, well, who is my neighbor? And this says that, that you don't hide yourself from your own flesh. And we could say, well, who is our flesh? All right. Well, is the African my flesh? Is the Ethiopian my flesh? Who is my flesh? Who shouldn't I hide myself from? Who is my neighbor? Just like the fellow asked Jesus. You know, the bottom line is, wherever we are, you know, there's, there's many avenues in which needs are made known unto us. And once we have an awareness of a need, we... He's our neighbor. He's our neighbor. She's our neighbor. It's our neighbor. It doesn't really matter how far across the world they are. When we have an awareness of the need, they're our neighbor. And we live in a world where that is very possible, to have uh, an awareness of many, many needs. So what are the needs around me? And what is my posture of heart toward those needs? You know, as we think about our country here in America, you know, the face of the poor may look a little different here in America than what it does in Africa. And I think we understand that. Uh, It just it's not that there aren't poor people in our country, but the face of it, it looks different. You don't uh, it doesn't look quite the same. The uh, the social security system in this country and with its uh, ensuing welfare mentality has changed the face of poverty in America a bit. You know, from back in the uh, back in the uh, 30s, as people talk about the Depression and the, the, the that era of time and probably even going back further than that before there was what is called the social security system where there's supposed to be a system in place that. Uh, alleviates all poverty and all uh, uh, the you know the beggars the beggar had to beg you know the he couldn't go and sign up at the local social security office for for relief he he had to go and beg he had to tr- walk the streets from you know he used to have the uh, tramps that uh, I don't that's not a kind word what what's a better word but the fellows that used to walk from farm to farm from from he gave me another word that wasn't so kind. But, but we had those people and they would, they would, sometimes they'd give a little service for a little food or sometimes they'd just be simply begging and, and people would, out of benevolence of their heart, give them a little this or a little that. Uh, they have, uh, and of course in your cities you, you have your homeless today, even some by choice and some probably, uh, you know, just, it's all there. But obviously the face of it is very different than in Africa. If you've ever been in a village setting, especially, and you don't have to even just be in a village setting, but, you know, the face is 
very different, uh, the needs. And yet it's here. No, it's not like it's not here. Uh, but one thing is certain as we, when we, as we look at our culture here a bit, you know, we do have, uh, we live in the midst of a people, we live in the midst of a culture of people who are, if, even if the, we might not see those uh, financial needs, those uh, needs of food and clothing and all those things as quickly, we do have a, a culture of people who are emotionally bankrupt. Uh, we have a culture of people who come from broken homes, come from broken marriages. Uh, they come from, uh, yeah, they come from disengaged dads. They come from mothers who don't love them. That's, a, you know, we live in a culture of people like that. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they deserve being ministered to. You know, uh, just because our Lord Jesus didn't specifically state it in those kind of words, it's part of the need of the day. It's part of the need of the hour. It's part of the need of the world that you and I live in. Uh, and some of these children, because of uh, the broken homes, because of the broken marriages, because of the uh, disconnected dads and moms, and because of having no normalcy in their lives, hardly, they become uh, even become to the point of being misfits in society. Don't know where they fit. Don't know how to function, and and become uh, actually quite a quite a load uh, uh, to to the general uh, populace. And who will care enough? for those uh, broken lives to pour out themselves even when it seems like the, they're pouring in buckets with holes in the bottom. Who will care enough? Who will have a heart in, uh, to, of care and sympathy and concern? You know, uh, it's, uh, I think our hearts would all be moved if we uh, came upon a little orphan child laying somewhere in the gutter and it's not had food in days and, and it's nearly uh, gasping for its last breath. You know, we would uh, gather it up in our arms. We would go and get it the needed attention and help. We wouldn't waste a moment to, 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 to pour into it what all possible resources we would have to try to meet the need. Are we willing to do the same in our broken society, in our uh, broken uh, the broken emotional lives of people uh, around us uh, who who've not had the uh, the the beautiful home life, the uh, first, second, and third generation uh, Christian faith in their experience, and all those kind of things. Uh, would we? Are we willing to pour out in our uh, for those needs, even though at times it seems as though, like I said. Uh, we're pouring into buckets that have holes in the bottom. <clears throat> Just trying to bring this down to where we live a bit here. It's not all on Warren and Kim. But uh, how does this relate to us? You know, when we look at the heart here in, uh, in, uh, in, in Isaiah 58, we look at the heart that is, is uh, it's an outward focus. It's the focus that is, is carrying a concern for the need of my fellow man. And I thought about, as I was thinking about how can we illustrate it in, in our lives, and I thought about it even this way. Uh, you know, I, we talked about the emotional needs, but what about uh, just this aspect of things? You know, um, just caring for someone else. And let, let, let me, give me a little time to, to flesh this out. You know, let's suppose my... Uh, my business is prospering and, and, you know, financially things are doing well. And let's suppose I have a need of some piece of machinery or equipment in my business. And so I go to make a purchase and, and, uh, you know, and the, the, the point I'm driving to here is what is the posture of my heart as I do that purchase? As I go and solicit this, uh, company down the street, who sells the piece of machinery that I need. And okay, that company has, uh, has its owners and its uh, uh, foremans and its salesmen and its workmen and it has its servicemen in the shop who are coming in daily and getting their hands on greasy wrenches and fixing busted stuff that, that the other guy broke, not me, and all those kind of things. You know, how as I approach that company and I come to make this purchase, how am I going to make that purchase? What's going to be the posture of my heart? Am I going to come in there and uh, uh, spend the next two weeks uh, 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 
bandering and, and finagling until I can chew those guys down to the most bare minimal possible price that I can give, have to pay for that piece of machinery that I need. Is that the kind of heart that we find in Isaiah 58? Or is there enough of care in my heart about this, this company and these men who work in this shop? Perhaps some of these men are, are uh, 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 trying to support a family of six, seven, eight children. Uh, perhaps they, uh, uh, they just uh, uh, bought a house two years ago and they're making house payments and then one of their children broke a leg and they had a hospital bill and things are pretty tight and, and uh, their boss would uh, like to give them a, give them a, uh, a bit of a bonus or something, but, but things have been just a little tough and, and the company is really, uh, uh, the economy is a little rough and, and then here come I to do business with them. And suppose I come in there and I have this heart. You know, I want the best deal. I want to, I want to get this piece of machinery at the best possible deal. And I'm not going to pay more than I have to. Is that an Isaiah 58 heart? Or am I, am I willing to look at this and consider these men who are working in the shop and consider that when I buy this piece of machinery, I'm, I'm having some effect, even though it might be small. They probably sell uh, machinery to a lot of other people too. But am I willing to consider that I might have some effect on these, these gentlemen that are working out in that shop and picking up that greasy wrench every morning? Am I willing to uh, look at what uh, God has blessed we and me with and what my business, how it has prospered and my needs are met and I'm willing to pay a fair price cheerfully for that piece of machinery? And to, be, and, and to have it in my heart that when this transaction is done, they are happy. They're happy having done business with me. They're happy to have had the chance to have me come by and buy that piece of machinery from them. It puts a little change in their pockets, having sold that piece of machinery. And they can, and, and hopefully it'll uh, enhance the overall economy of their business. The difference of, a, of an Isaiah 58 heart or not. Just examples of where we live. And I realize that, you know, that's just one little example. There's, you know, we can take that and just think about dozens of ways that, that, uh, what is my posture of heart toward the needs of others? I've already alluded to this, you know, it, like I said there in, uh, in, uh, and maybe I shouldn't even be making more comment about it in the, in the end of verse seven there that I hide not thyself from thy own flesh, you know, who is my neighbor? What are my obligations? Uh, how far do my obligations go? You know, there's, like I said earlier, once, once we become aware of needs, we have an obligation of some sort. It doesn't mean we have to give to everything we, uh, everything that comes down the pipe. You know, uh, forget some of those names I get calls from sometimes that they want us to support and I, uh, I don't do that. I have a policy that I generally try to give when I give to organizations who carry a lot of the same values I do. But, uh, you know, we get these, and I'm sure some of you have gotten them, a little notice from Christian Aid Ministries regarding uh, Hurricane Irma in Florida. And uh, they probably send out one regarding Hurricane, uh, what was his name, Harvey over in Texas, in Texas. Uh, you know, Hurricane, uh, what's the one that just went over Puerto Rico? Maria, Hurricane Maria. Maybe they'll send one of those out yet. Who knows? But when we become aware, uh, and uh, in many ways uh, we have, you know, great opportunities. Uh, but when we become aware, suddenly these people are our neighbor, aren't they? You know, who's my neighbor? Okay. So I'm aware. I'm aware of somebody's great dilemma and... Uh, and, you know, granted, none of us are going to fix all the world's problems. None of us are going to minister all the needs. That's, that's not at all where we're going. It's just a matter of having our hearts tuned, having our hearts, an Isaiah 58 heart, where our hearts are, are, are looking for those opportunities, are willing to embrace those opportunities, are willing to look at our budget, are willing to look at our checkbook, are willing to look at our bank account, are we willing to look at our week and, the, and, and our month or whatever it takes to go and give a little time or to go and, yeah, to go and lend a hand, to take a few days off, to, to just, you know, no, we're not all going to do it. We're not all going to do it at the same time. We're not all going to do it the same way. 
to have that heart that is willing to look at it and do what we can, go where we can, uh, give where we can. <clears throat> and then, <clears throat> so who is our neighbor? Our neighbors are closer than they used to be. Our neighbors can be hurricane victims. They can be uh, refugees over in, in the Middle East and Turkey and various places like that. It can be the orphans in Tanzania or other parts of the world. Uh, just endless, endless needs in our world. And then we like to look yet at the uh, God's response to all of this as we look at uh, this scripture in Isaiah. Uh, we look at the heart that God is looking for, the heart that is turned and and uh, is willing to to give and expend itself for the for the needs of others. And God just comes along with promise after promise when we do that. Uh, maybe I'll just read again from verse 8. Then shall thy li- uh, No, let me begin verse 7. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, to, that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. Then, when you've done that, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. Thine health shall spring forth speedily. Thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer thee. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from thee the midst uh, midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and the speaking of vanity. If thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of waters whose waters fail not. We'll stop there at the moment again. But these are beautiful promises that I think every one of us would like to be living under this blessing. You know, it's like... Uh, uh, I've heard said a few times, haven't heard it lately, be under the spout where the glory comes out. You know, uh, these, that's the picture we get. You know, you're just being showered with the blessings of God. And who wouldn't want to be there? Who wouldn't want to be in that posture where God in heaven is looking down and he just, he just, I don't know, can we use the word obligation? He's seeing your heart toward the needs of the world. He's seeing your heart toward that person that came by. He's seeing your heart toward... And it can be just simple things, you know. It doesn't have to be the big things. It can just be as simple thing as a, as a uh, walking, you know, down the si- sidewalk or in the, in, in the, uh, in the uh, grocery store or, the, or wherever you are and there you see a sad face and you give them a smile and a, and a cheery good morning and a how are you, how are you type of thing. Just... Something to, something to impart life and brightness and health and hope into someone's heart. And God sees all that taking place and He's up there and He's like, we just gotta keep pouring, we just gotta keep pouring. This guy's just blessing others, he's just loving others, he's just caring for others, we just keep pouring, we just keep blessing him. That's the picture we get here. Just keep pouring it out. Uh, it says there in, uh, the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Re-reward. I'm not sure. It's almost like it's a re-reoccurring. <clears throat> I know that's what uh, all of us would desire. You know, light and health and righteousness and God's presence. God answering our calls. God uh, hearing us when we cry out to Him. Uh, we get down into verse 11 where it's uh, Him guiding us and, and our soul being satisfied, just being uh, well satisfied in our walk with God, in our, in our experience with God, and to have those uh, springs of water, being a watered garden, just flowing out of our lives. It's just a picture of health. Health, uh, when I say health, not meaning just physical health, but a spiritual health, spiritual vitality, uh, a person heart postured toward the needs of the world, giving of himself and God in return just blessing his life, pouring it upon him uh, or her. That's the picture we have here. And that is, uh, again, that is God's heart. You know, God is not stingy about his blessings, about uh, wanting to see his people blessed. Uh, my mind goes to the Second Chronicles 
there a verse that we often quote, at least part of it, where it says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. And again, the words about uh, Jesus said, fear not, little flock, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God is not, uh, he is not begrudgingly blessing those who love him and serve him. He is gladly uh, blessing those who love and serve him. So whether we're here or whether we're in Tanzania, it makes no difference. This, this scripture has an application wherever we find ourselves, in whatever situation. <clears throat> I'd like to, uh, to give uh, another word to you, Warren and Kim. And my word to you is this, be faithful to your call. Be faithful to your call. We have this uh, words of our Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 19, verse 16 and 17. And this is a, a situation where the uh, servants uh, or the, uh, the master was gone for a bit and gave the talents to the servants. And then he comes back and calls for accountability on what they had done with their pounds. And here we have the response. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And we know it continues with several more servants and then one who was not faithful and uh, came and brought what little he was given in the first place, having no gain, and was rebuked. I want to encourage you with that verse, be faithful. God has called you. God has equipped you. God has uh, prepared you. Be faithful in the call. Uh, may I say, read Isaiah 58 often in your life's journey. I, uh, I think I would do well to read it often. And I would like to read and capitalize just a little bit on verse 12 now. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundation of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. <clears throat> that, that verse is filled with enormous promises, and I want to encourage you in your dreams to allow this verse to be part of your dreams, raising up the foundation of many generations. You know, you, while you, while you will not be able, you will, uh, you, you, you will, uh, you will give your input. You will spend your life. You will give your, uh, uh, pour out your lives in service as God gives opportunity. And there's a certain point in which you can, you can, you cannot have a, a total control of what all is the effects of your service and of the babies and the, Lives that you touch and the young youngsters that God brings into your home and lives and that you may raise for him. You cannot control all the outcome of all of that. And uh, but I want to encourage you uh, uh, regarding this, uh, uh, your call, be faithful. That is really what God is looking for. God is not you're not uh, God is it's not your business to worry about what goes on the next uh, generations after you. But you make it your business to be faithful to God where He has called you, in the capacities He has called you, in the place He has called you, with the children He has called you. Be faithful and leave the, leave the results to God. Pour out your lives. The, the, uh, the, the effects of it is not, uh, not something for you to becumber yourself with a lot other than uh, to perfect your service. And... Uh, to better, uh, to be of a better uh, testimony for the kingdom and for those who you serve. Scripture tells us in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. You are on a faith venture. You are on a faith venture. Moses' parents didn't know 
what uh, the outcome of Moses' life was going to be. They had no idea, I don't believe. But they were faithful. They were faithful. They, they, uh, they, uh, and they, they did it against, uh, great opposition. You know, they, they, uh, in a time when, uh, yeah, they, 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 they were faithful. And I want to encourage you to be faithful. You may never know. You may never see the full outcome. And you probably won't. Because we trust that the Lord tarries that it'll go, as this scripture says, for many generations. As, of course, we, some of us don't really feel like there'll be many generations yet in this old world. But, uh, if the Lord tarries, may God, uh, may God bless you in that call. And then I'd like to conclude yet with a few words to the rest of us. And in this, uh, in this uh, vision and burden of, of orphans in Tanzania particularly and Warren and Kim going, I'd like to raise the question, what, what can we do? What can we do to, to bless and to benefit? Uh, how can we engage into that work? Or maybe we could even ask the question, can we? Can we engage in it? Or is that their work? And do we just sit here and, uh, and enjoy America while they... Uh, uh, Bite the dust of Africa. Or can we enter into it with them? <clears throat> Let's consider, uh, and you can turn there, Mark 9.41. Mark 9.41. Uh, there's the scripture would be in Matthew as well, but we'll read Mark's rendition of it. Jesus says these words, For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. And so in this uh, particular case, here uh, Jesus is simply saying, okay, if somebody gives you a cup of water, he's talking to disciples, if somebody gives you a cup of water uh, because you're one of Christ, they just want to bless you, in other words, they're going to have a reward. They're going to have a reward for that. And uh, there's, a, the, there's the rendition in Matthew there talks about a, uh, if we receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, we receive a prophet's reward. If we receive, uh, forget the rest of it there. But the idea is almost like if we enter into, uh, uh, into the work with someone else, we get, we, get the, we get the reward that they get, in, in a sense. We get... Uh, uh, we can, as individuals here, you know, there are things we can do. Uh, Jesus, Jesus in Luke 18 was concerned that uh, people would always pray and not faint. That people would always, and he gave a parable to illustrate his, his burden. And uh, that, you know, may, may we embrace that, that, uh, that burden. That we would always pray and not faint. That we would uh, recognize the value of prayer. That we would recognize that uh, uh, that we do need God, that they need God in their situation, that uh, that we do need God's continued work in our lives, and that God does want to hear from us the needs of the hour and so forth, and that we would uh, we would take the time uh, to to pray, that we would take the time to uh, uh, for the, for needs as they make them known over there, and that we would take the time to even. Uh, uh, you know, send a note of encouragement or, uh, or even, uh, give of our time if necessary to go or, or give of our resources to help support some, uh, some need there. We can enter into it in various ways like that from right here. And we get a blessing. We get a, uh, uh if we're faithful to the Lord and as we go through life, I don't know how it's gonna look at the end, but, you know, there's gonna be, there's gonna be people most likely I would picture it this way. There's, there's going to be people when uh, the Lord gives the rewards in eternity. Uh, there's going to be people whom we didn't realize did much in the kingdom. But they did a lot. And a lot of it was hidden. Some of it might have been in prayer. Some of it might have been, yeah, just various ways. And all of a sudden, that person, maybe they're called forward to get their reward. And there's a whole busload of reward for them, you know. 
so we can enter into that. Uh, we will not lose our reward. You know, a prayer prayed, a, a, a note of encouragement given. Uh, we enter into the into the burden of it, and we have the privilege of of uh, being a partaker in the reward, and whatever that all means. We will find out someday, I suppose. So, amen. Uh, the next chapter. Praise God for the next chapter. We are with you, and uh, we look forward to see what that what's going to be written on the pages of the next chapter. A year down the road, five years down the road, ten years down the road, if the Lord grants me life, health, and strength, I look forward to seeing what will be on the next chapter. <clears throat> Shall we just again, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we come in Jesus' name again here at the close of this service. Again, ask a blessing on all gathered here. Pray that uh, as we have looked into your word that something could have been meaningful and profitable to each one. That there could be take-home thoughts that there could be uh, things to uh, meditate, ponder, and Lord, that uh, your spirit would break it down to us and we could profit from it. We could profit in our spiritual lives and growth. We could profit uh, one another. We could profit your kingdom. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this assembly. Thank you for each one present. And again, thank you for warning Kim. And uh, do be with us and with them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.